available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. Yes, this is the Conference of Champions. We're the Podcast of Champions what, probably two teams make it to the playoff of the Pac-12 this year, Dave? It's going to be awesome. If you have any questions or comments for us, because we talk a lot about Pac-12 football year-round here on the Podcast of Champions, Pac-12podcast at gmail.com. That is the email address. Or you could call or text us, 424-532-0678 is the number. Send us a text. Leave us a voicemail. We haven't had a voicemail in a while, Dave. We need We need a couple of those. Send some. Call us in. There was there was that time where somebody sent in a voicemail, and then I was editing the show that time, and I said, I don't want to do that. So maybe that <laughs> somehow dissuaded people. I'm not sure how, but maybe that somehow dissuaded people from leaving voicemails. It could have been. Uh, I'm usually pretty good at picking it up on the fly. Like if we see, like if we go through the email, I'm like, oh, someone left a voicemail. I can kind of just throw it in our system real quick. But it's not always the uh, we don't, but we don't listen to it ahead of time. But yeah, just you know, we'll play it no matter what. So just call in, uh, tweet us if you want at Pac12 Podcast, the website, Pac12Podcast.com. You can subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Megaphone, pretty much anywhere you can get the podcasts. And we do love the reviews. You guys are the best at leaving really funny and positive uh reviews but the five stars are great keep that five star we're like a you know the best uber driver you ever had we got like five stars across the board dave i know it's incredible and we haven't gotten one in a while um so i'm judging all of you very strongly actually there is a recent one that i don't think we ever read so i'll read that one now okay this is from orange bowl great pack coverage Hosts Brian and Davis do a really, really good job with this podcast. These two really seem to get along well, despite their differences. It's really nice of Brian to include Davis in something that must really make him feel good about himself. It's very sweet. I mean, everyone we get, though, is smart, you know? Yeah, this one, I mean, it's obviously some undercover trolling of some kind, which is good. I like it. Um, I... I, I don't know. It's a little oblique, but I, right. I like it. It's a good. It's a good one. And again, the only thing we really care about is that we get five stars. Yeah, that's awesome. Stuff. It can be nonsensical. It can be deliberate trolling. It can even be mean spirited. That's fine. Just give us those five stars. <laughs> yeah, we do love that. Um, I mentioned the uh, the two teams in the uh, playoff. I was watching. I think I was watching games with uh, Bruce Feldman a little bit this weekend. He had a Friday game, and he's look at we, you, he, humble bragger. Uh, he's a friend. You guys know he's a friend of mine. But we, you know, he had a Friday game, so we could like watch some games on Saturday, which is kind of cool. But I think we saw like a clip from Yogi um, about you know team. You know the he's like yeah if 
if or so I think he said if Oregon and or, or he said Oregon or Utah win out, they're they're a lock for the college football playoff. And I was like, uh, what? Like I I don't think that's the case. But yeah, I, do you think Yogi that's is the, pure positivity? He's pure positivity. He's very positive. Like, you got you got to love it. You got to love it. No, yeah, it's great. Um, um, no, awesome. obviously not. Obviously not. I don't think a single Pac-12 team is in control of its own destiny anymore. Um, I, I do still think there's an avenue for it. Like certainly Oregon, I think definitely can make the, make the playoff still, but it's going to require some real dominoes falling. And one of them did this past weekend, Georgia losing certainly opens things up a little bit more. Um, but you're also, you're, to get it so that there aren't two SEC teams this year um, will require some doing because LSU is really, really good. Georgia's still really good. Alabama's really, really good. Um, I think it's going to be hard at the end of the day for the CFP committee to not have a couple of those teams in. Um, and there's just, you know, Ohio State looks like it's, you know, it looks very good. Yeah. Um, obviously, weird things can happen. Um, but Ohio State, Oklahoma, um, after they got through Texas and then at least one SEC school and then Clemson, um, it's just going to be hard to break in. But certainly it's still open. It's just going to require a lot of losses. That To me, that's the hardest part. It's not even the two SEC teams, which you're like, oh, LSU is now like the number two team of the country because they're beating top 10 teams uh, every other week or so. And they look really good. Former USC head coach Ed Orgeron, who uh, I definitely – was an advocate for sticking around when he was the time uh, Pat Hayden said, no, that's not the case. And now he's got like the number two team in the country. We'll see if that lasts, but he's, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with what he's able to do. He's doing an amazing job there. Um, but Oklahoma looks great, you know, and who was their biggest test in the big 12, probably Texas. And they've beat Texas, uh, Ohio state, I mean, Wisconsin, I guess, could knock them off. But, I mean, if, if Wisconsin runs, like, they're going to, you know, they could run the table. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, Clemson, who's going to beat them in the, the ACC? Nobody. And you're definitely right. one of the, the SEC teams. So, it's like, I think a couple losses are going to have to happen um, for Oregon to get in. And then Oregon's going to have to keep this run going. I think I think it's five straight games with single digits, um, which is, like, the first time that's happened in, like, the 1950s for Oregon. So, Oregon's defense is there. But – we're going to have to see some real sparks fly against the better competition from the Oregon offense as well. Um, you know, we saw some this past weekend, but it's, it's, I mean, I just think it's going to be really tough Dave for like an Oregon or Utah to make it in. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Uh, you can't, I mean, and even, even undefeated this year, just with the way things are shaken out, um, you know, the, still, if, if Oklahoma wins out, Ohio State wins out, one of Alabama, LSU wins out, and Clemson wins out, does an undefeated Washington or Oregon make it? I think so. I think an undefeated Oregon would because Clemson's schedule so bad, but there would be some, I don't know, and, and Clemson hasn't been super dominant either, but um, that would be even a little bit of a nail-biter. Um, it's, it's shaping up to be kind of a... a a chalky tough year. And, you know, we say that week seven and then suddenly, you know, a bunch of teams lose, but yeah, this is a, this would be a tough one for a PAC 12 team to get in as a one loss. All right. Uh, let's go over the PAC 12 players of the week. Uh, we have uh, Brandon Ayuk, uh, the, the uh, wide receiver from ASU. I think three touchdown passes, like nearly 200 yeah, yards. He was great. He was, yeah, a, he was a fantastic. Uh, Verona McKinley, uh, DB from, 
Uh, Oregon, I believe he had two picks in that game. So, yes, uh, Steven, Steven Montez was really enjoying throwing him the ball. <laughs> he was finding number 23 uh, all over the place. and then uh, the, third, the third pick for Montez, I think – it had to have been directed for McKinley. Like it was that it was that much of a good throw. It was on the money on time. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Haversick, I think how you say his name. He's a kicker for uh, Arizona had a 50 yard field goal. He had a couple field goals in this one. They actually, in the graphic he's listed as Oregon state's kicker, but he actually plays for Arizona uh, lineman, Penny Sewell, Highest graded uh, by PFF offensive lineman um, in the Pac-12. So he gets that. And uh, Ryan Bowman, who's really, I think, more of an outside linebacker. But um, he had, I think, a fumble recovery or a fumble, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, or he's involved in in that. And then he had an interception late as well. So uh, Washington, and you know, he gave, uh, he gave Khalil Tate a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, gotta, gotta say, I love when a special teamser gets the, uh, award in a 24 point loss, like, especially a kicker, <laughs> like, oh man, you kicked, you kicked the hell out of that 50 yard field goal that your team should not have even attempted because they should have been going for it all game. Yeah. Great job. Nice. And Beautiful. then the last one, uh, Jaden Daniels was the freshman, uh, of the year. There were some good nominees, uh, like Puka Nakua and stuff. We'll talk about that later, but you know. Obviously, Jane Daniels was an absolute stud. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm going to be raving about him in just a moment. Yeah, so good stuff there from the uh, um, Pac-12. As far as the suicide pool, we still have Mano and Mark NC. They both picked Utah, so they're still alive. There's only two people that are still alive. As far as our picks, Dave... Uh, pretty poo poo. We went one and four. We've we're one three and one. Pretty pretty puka nakua, if you ask me. Yeah. Pretty pretty poopa. One um, one three and one one and three, and now one and four. You dropped to five hundred. I am like eight games below five hundred. We have never, ever, and this is our fourth year. Like really keeping track. This has never happened. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I want to see how low this can go because, like, um, you know that old the old trope. It's actually harder to miss every question on the SAT. Like that that really shows that you know what you're doing if you can miss every question on the SAT. Yeah, that's what we're doing here. Yeah, we're trying to show you that it's possible to be this bad at this. <laughs> and it's funny because we were historically very good at this. Yeah, like if you play Keno or something, and you know you get like. If you pick 20 numbers and you get like more than seven, you win. And the more numbers you get, the more you win. But you also, if you get none of them, you like, you can win something too. And, uh, yeah, we should win something is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I haven't been over 500 in a single week since week two. Yeah. And I was like week three, week four, I was uh, a little over 500. Um, so I kind of caught up a little bit to you there and then we've done the same or we've, We've done that. Yeah, we've done the same the last three weeks, and it's just been absolute garbage. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, we'll see. But you know what? You should do with your picks because during the fall, what do you look forward to every weekend, Dave? You look forward to watching college football. You you spend your whole time in the office during the week, and you are rewarded on the weekend with something we all love: all those college football games. You got Pac-12 after dark late on Saturday. You got those Thursday Friday matchups that are all fun we tune into all of those there's nothing like checking out football here on the conference of champions and there's no better way 
to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. Now, don't listen to us because we're not very good at this, apparently. But <laughs> if you want to do the smart thing, you'll go to Met. Uh, <laughs> sorry, mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play and where you should too. They have all the latest lines, not just for the Pac-12, but the NFL and college football all over college football. You can even uh, continue to bet the game as it's going on. You have live in-game betting. So that kind of stuff is cool. If you join now, my bookie will double your first deposit up to $1,000. Use promo code PAC12 to activate the offer. That's promo code PAC12. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And hopefully you win. Unless you use our picks. Then you don't win. And then you play eh, the winning. <laughs> if you win, much. you get paid. It's just you got to win. If you win, yeah. you play. And then if you haven't used our picks, you win, you get paid. Yeah, I've had to back off my wagers. Um, just not until I turn things around. It's uh, it's not doing so good. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Dave's 24-24-1. and one. I'm 20-28-1. Um, considering last year uh, I was, what, uh, like 20 games over 500 or something. <laughs> like, this is bad. Uh, We're nearing the point where you should just start picking opposite me. For a couple of reasons. First, I'm always wrong. And second, I've got a little bit of a commanding lead right now. You have a four-game lead. Yeah. It's a little bit of a commanding lead. That's all I'm saying. Well, if I can't pick any games right, it doesn't matter. You know, like we we, we agreed on all of them last week. That so, was bad. See? Yeah. We should never agree again. Probably not. Um, we got a few notes in here, too. Anything uh, Anything that stands out to oh, you? Oh, yeah. Stanford got a commit from Aiden Hector, who's a USC legacy guy. He's up from uh, Eastside Catholic up in the Seattle area. Uh, DB, mm, I've seen him. A bunch of, Who cares? Yeah, I've seen him a bunch of times. He's actually he's a good player. Um, uh, um, yeah, Theo Howard transferred from UCLA. Yeah, what's going on with? That? And then wasn't I? So I think I retweeted something that was from not a, a credible source maybe did was it darnay Holmes? yeah 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 you did that uh from the Pac-12 yeah, podcast some, yeah some random dude i mean i don't know if it's credible i mean the, the thing is it's just some no-name person maybe he has some info i don't know it would make sense if darnay was deciding to transfer uh because he's played four games and you can't play that fifth um if you're intending to redshirt the year um but i don't I have no information whether he is or isn't. We're going to see on Thursday if he's playing. Um, UCLA does not let us watch much of practice at all. Um, so uh have no idea. But no, I don't think that was a credible source that you were retweeting. Just someone, blithely retweeting from the Pac-12 podcast handle. Someone, well, I know because you keep it to such a high standard <laughs> from what you tweet on. <laughs> We'll never have I been so glad that I, that everyone knows that I do not handle that because I'm like, hey, no, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. <laughs> uh, someone like tagged us in it, and I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I figured. Yeah, like, no, they, they tagged me too. Oh, they did. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you, but you didn't. Uh... I didn't. I didn't smash retweet. Um, okay. Well, none of this other stuff is that interesting. Okay. So yeah. should we? Uh, well, I guess we got to uh, jump into our. 
Oh wait. <laughs> if I if I have the uh, iPad muted, that's what it sounds like when I hit this button. Pack twelve roundup. We, we are a well-oiled machine today. Okay, this is a multi-purpose studio that I'm in. And last night we had our uh, tunnel vision show, like our live YouTube, um, Facebook, mm-hmm. Periscope show, and so we keep everything muted for that. So you know, I didn't unmute it on the. It's a very complicated. You guys should see. I'll, maybe I'll tweet out a picture of the uh, the mixing board. It's big and complicated. There's lots of buttons and knobs. So one button's not pressed the right way. Weird stuff happens. I'm sorry, you know. Look, I can barely handle recording a semi-usable audio track every week. Just whatever. It's all fine to me. <laughs> um, all right. So we have a uh, new power ranking. So we'll go uh, in reverse order. The thing is, it hasn't changed a lot from the previous week. It's sort of like separating. There's like a top four. And then there's sort of like a mess. And like, I don't know if you did your rankings yet this week. But you sort of get down there, and you're like number eight or so, and you're like, wait, this team can't be this high. But well, well, they can't be below those teams, so I guess they have to be this high. You know what I mean? Like, that's weird. yeah, you get to that. Uh, yeah, we're we're getting to the point of the year where you can start to tier everything. Um, like right now, I would say there's a top, maybe two, Oregon and Utah. Yeah, and then you've got you've got probably a tier three that's something like or tier two that's probably something like asu washington yeah and then a tier three that basically is everyone five through nine maybe five through ten usc cal stanford arizona washington state colorado and then a tier four which is oregon state and ucla yeah that seems about right dave uh oregon state ucla sort of down there uh, i think the the poll had washington state ranked just above of colorado uh I'm not sure if that if it's just hard to say. They're all just kind of in that same lumped group of uh, of a mess. So we'll see with more uh, more games being played this weekend. No bye weeks, so that should be interesting when we get to all that. But we got to get into our recaps, and we're going to start with our number twelve team, UCLA Bruins. Uh, they had a bye, so no a merciful, merciful bye week. Yeah, needed needed a bye. Uh, outside of that 67-63 win over Washington State, it's just like a a lot of L's uh, for the Bruins. Oh, yeah. And Chip Kelly. Um, a lot of L's. This is a team that I just I want to disassociate myself with completely. Uh, I'm terrible at picking them. I don't know what to think about the number 11 team. Oregon State Beavers. And uh, they had to play our number two team. Utah Utes. Yeah, this was depressing to watch. Like, and uh, no, no knock on Utah whatsoever. They look impressive as hell. But like, it was like, I don't know, a bunch of grown-ups playing with small children kind of <laughs> deal going on in this one. Um, Utah, I mean, there was just nothing Oregon State could do. Their offense wasn't working at all. Part of it was obviously Utah's defense is really good, but also just Oregon State looked like, hey, we just won a game in conference and just you know maybe a little bit of a letdown or whatever, but th- they didn't look in sync on top of Utah's defense being really good too. Um, like Jake Luton had by far his worst game of the year. He actually threw a pick um, and just wasn't super accurate. Um, 
Isaiah Hodgins, who's had a really easy time against a lot of secondaries in the Pac-12, had a less easy time in this one. Um, still had eight catches for 77 yards, but just couldn't couldn't get anything going. And that Oregon State running game was able to do basically nothing. Um, Jamar Jefferson, not available in this one. Artavis Pierce, 10 carries for 21 yards. Um, nothing doing at all. Um, and then on Utah's end, they were just, I mean... Tyler Huntley was incredible. 14 of 17 for 247 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Like, just getting whatever he needed. Zach Moss had five carries and 121 yards. Wow. That seems pretty good. uh, Now, one of the carries was 91-yard touchdown, but five carries, 121 yards. Um, But, yeah, I mean, this was just Why do you get so many carries in that game? They didn't need to run him that much. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Um yeah, Whoa, exactly. Like, calm down. You don't need Zach Moss getting five carries against the Beavers. That's a little much. Yeah, but this was, I mean, look, it's, it, I, I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting Oregon State to be more competitive at, competitive at home. I'm sure they will be again here soon, uh, but this was a laugher. It's unbelievable to me how poorly they can play, you know, play good one week, play poorly the next. If it's a big spread, a small spread, like I can't figure out. The Beavers, and it's like whatever I think, oh, you know, they might be a little feisty this week. They could keep it within 14 at home against Utah. It's like not even in the realm of possibility. Or like, you know what? I think going on the road to the Rose Bowl, UCLA coming off the, you know, big win. I just, I think the Bruins are going to be able to take care of business. Nope. Like it's just, it's just not whatever you think is going to happen. The Stanford game, uh, we end up like tying that one where, you know, that's, it's just so bizarre. The only game we, I got right for Oregon State all year was they they beat Cal Poly. They they were laying 17 points and they won 45-7. But I cannot figure these guys out, Dave. It's very frustrating. Um, I mean, they would just give up huge plays and then they couldn't do anything when they had the ball. And I, it's almost like you could watch the first five minutes of Oregon State play and then you kind of know what's going to happen. That, that, that Zach Moss 91-yard touchdown run early. Uh, I think Oregon State had a drive going. They stalled it like midfield. They, they punted inside the 15, so they pinned Utah back, and it's like, first play, Tyler Huntley like throws it out past midfield again. And you're just like, what happened? Like, all of a sudden, uh, it was 21 nothing, and Utah gets a pick six, and it just, it just starts snowballing, and you're like, what is going on with the Beavs? I, I don't know, man. I can't figure it out. It's got to be very frustrating. Uh, it's frustrating for me just looking at this team. Um, it's got to be frustrating for our, our friend Angie as she covers this team. Yeah, I think the the biggest issue is is still that defense. It's it's gotten marginally better than it was a year ago, but it it's not even capable of keeping them in a game like this where the offense is kind of scuffling to start, and then they're put in a disadvantage advantageous spot where they're down. I mean, what was it, twenty one nothing before the end of the first quarter, where they're suddenly going to have to throw it uh, a lot if they want to make any sort of comeback, and they're just, I mean. They've got one really good receiver. They've got a couple other decent guys, but this is not a, a team designed to throw the ball like 65% of snaps. Um, and so they threw the ball 42 times against 22 rushes. Maybe it would have been more competitive if they had like a decent defense or anything average, you know, that can keep Utah from scoring 21 almost immediately. No. Um, and then it, you know, and then maybe it's a little bit more competitive game in the second half. But this was over. I mean, it was over after a quarter. Yeah. Um, just, you know, and I think, you know, obviously seven points isn't good enough against Utah, but um, giving up 52 isn't good enough against anybody. No. 
<laughs> that's you. You felt like Utah could name the score if they wanted to. Um, oh yeah, and if they if they you know kept their starters in and just kept rolling, they could have. I mean, they could have scored seventy in this one. What? Yeah. What if Zach Moss gets ten carries? It's going to be a hundred to nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But this is a real really something for UCLA because think about it. Oregon State was up twenty-one nothing on UCLA in the first quarter last game. Yeah. Utah goes up. 21 nothing on Oregon State. So by the transitive property, Utah's going to be up 42 nothing after the first quarter against UCLA later this year. Wow. Well, we'll see. Beavs, I, I don't know what to do with you. I I we want to be secret fans. We it's just you're you're making it impossible for me to like anything about your team right now. So I'm sorry. So about Ryan's that. so Ryan's a little extra bitter because I think he's picked wrong on Oregon State virtually every game this year. Yeah. Um I I'm still a secret Oregon State fan. I, I think they've got another win or two in them this year. I think uh, that offense is not going to look that bad again. Uh, I thought it was just a, you know, a little bit of a letdown spot. Yeah, home away. I don't know. I can't figure it out. Uh, all right. So next up, this is our uh, our number ten team, Colorado Buffalo. And uh, we thought they'd put on a good showing, you know, on a weeknight uh, on the road up against our number one team. Oregon Ducks. Yeah. Yeah. This is a combination factor where I don't think we ever have any idea what to expect from Colorado. And we also never have any idea really what to expect from Oregon. Yeah. So naturally, Oregon blew them out 45-3. It was a complete <laughs> and utter joke of a game. Um <laughs> Just uh, uh, watching this one, I, I think that the main – so Oregon's really good, and I'll get to them in a second, but my main takeaway again is what the hell has happened to Steven Montez? Um, he looks uh, – even throw out the stats. The stats were horrible in this game, but throw that all out. He looks so weird out there, and we'll get to another quarterback who was doing this this weekend, but just so much – running backwards away from pressure, running way back into his right, and then just throwing the ball away. Um, or not or getting throwing sacked. the ball away and getting picked <laughs> a bunch of times. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, but just making so many mistakes and so many, like, where he just looks so uncertain against pressure. And I know the offensive design has changed a little bit, but he's not stepping up against pressure at all anymore. Um, and he really doesn't appear to be looking to run much at all. Um, and it's so weird because when we first saw him way back in the days of 2016, when he was coming in to fill in for Cephalou Fow, this guy could really run. Um, and he was willing to like kind of get out there and run a little bit. And now he's down to, okay, so last year he had 94 attempts for 238 yards. So he's still running a little bit. This year it's 25 attempts for 44 yards just not running the ball much at all. And I don't know if it's an injury situation or just self-preservation. You do you, man. Um, but I think it's changed him as a player um, and made him a, a, a worse player. Um, but watching this one, that was really the main thing I was struck by watching Colorado was just how unwilling he was to step up yeah. um, and how often he was just like immediately scrambling back. And this offensive line isn't great, don't get me wrong, but he was scrambling back sometimes when there wasn't even pressure there yet. Just yeah. kind of running backwards. Um, even still, uh, this is another game where it was 45-3, and yeah, I mean, it was going to be an Oregon win and probably a comfortable one no matter what. But this one did kind of hinge on an early series for Colorado. Um, they had the ball at the Oregon, I think it was the one, maybe the two. Uh, yeah, third and goal at the Oregon one um, towards the end of the first half when it was 17-3. 
Um, if they just punch it in right then, um, it's 17-10, and probably they take it into the half um, seven, down 17-10. Instead, um, they attempt a couple of pass. They, they actually go three straight passes, um, second and goal, third and goal, and then third and goal again, um, where uh, they aren't able to do anything. And then on the third one, he gets picked by uh, Verone McKinley, the first of McKinley's picks. Um, and then Oregon drives down the field, so it's 24-3 to at half instead of um, 17-10. Yeah. That was kind of a change in the complexion of the thing. And then once they're down three touchdowns, they come out throwing in the second half, and they literally go series, 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 interception, 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 and the game is over, completely yeah. over at that point. Yeah, that was like the, that first pick was right at the end, and then it just sort of snowballed in the second half. Quiet day for LaVisca Chenault, I think four catches for... 70 yards. Uh, CJ Verdell had 171 yards. Uh, rushing. Hang on. Point of order. Point of order. You've got LaVisca Chanel on third and one at the goal line. And we've seen, I, I think he's an automatic conversion on, on short, yes. right? Always. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Not just giving it to him in the wildcat and letting him do it again. I know he's got an injury, but um, on his like pitch count or whatever they kept saying on the broadcast, Got to have him in there for conversions. You've got to have him in there to convert the ball on third and one at the goal line. Yeah. But, dude, 131 passing yards, four interceptions. He had Steven Montez we're talking about. And, uh, well, could they switch now? Could Cephalufa now come back off the bench and they put <laughs> switch it up? I wasn't sure. I kind of felt like that's what should have happened. Uh, he had 115 straight passes without a pick and then throws four. Um, yeah. I mean, Oregon's defense is legit so 1958 was the last time the ducks held five straight opponents under 10 points uh i don't know it depends how you do your math uh with with colorado only scoring three i think that's no touchdowns right they didn't get one yeah um, that seems like a problem like you, you get no touchdowns um, you need at least i think to win most football games you need at least one what one is good zero is, one is good more is better <laughs> yeah um just Nutty. There was a whole bunch of NFL. I think seven NFL GMs were at this game checking things out. I don't. Did you see? I think Jacob Breeland, the uh, tight end for Oregon, he had a t touchdown, but I think he got hurt. I don't know. Yeah, he got he got hurt bad. Um, he was in a full like ACL type brace oh, there okay. at the end. Um, so I think he's. Yeah, it looks like it was just reported that he's out for the year. Oh um, wow! So I'm guessing that was an ACL. It, it, he had the full like stabilizing brace on, so I, I thought it was just kind of watching it, and it's deeply unfortunate. And he was uh, Oregon's leading receiver this year, um, so that that was a, that's a big blow um, for the Ducks. Um, I want to shout out. So Montez had four picks. I think two of them are pretty bad. Two of them, you know, Oregon. Their 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 players their defensive players really play the ball well. Um, the Bryson Young pick, um, which came off of kind of just like a tip drill, essentially, was really really well done. Um, especially for a guy who's you know he's a little bit of a bigger guy um, to have that kind of agility and awareness and just kind of make that play. Um, I thought that was really really good. Um, but yeah, I mean this Oregon defense is really great. Um, and then. One thing that I was struck by, and this is maybe a little bit of good news to offset the Breland bad news, is with these receivers getting a little bit healthier, suddenly you can start talking yourself into Oregon as a as a real. You know, I mean, obviously Herbert's great, but 
their receivers can do some damage. Um, Jalen Red's been you know pretty good all year, but Micah Pittman. There was some noise that he was overrated out of high school, and I remember reading stuff like that. And obviously, I'm not in LA anymore, so I didn't see him much as a prep. Um, he's really good, yeah. Uh, and I was I've just been really struck by it watching the last two games that Micah Pittman, that guy, can really play. Um, but they're getting healthier, and then I thought CJ Verdell had his best game of the year. Um, he still tends to, you know run up the back of his offensive lineman and trip a little bit because I don't think vision is his strong suit, but um, he had a really nice 70 yard run in this one and, and, and was really good throughout. Um, Buff's defense isn't so hot either. Uh, you got Mustafa Johnson, but after that, the line play, I mean, I don't, there's just not a lot of dudes. You got like a couple guys that you can play and then everyone else just doesn't look like they can play. They're 124th nationally in yards per play allowed. Uh, 6.87. So not so, not so hot. So it's, uh, you got Steven Montez struggling. You got the defense struggling. Um, I don't know, man. It's, uh, we got, we got a battle between this coming week. So it'll be interesting, but there's some, some interesting games on the schedule. Uh, I'm curious which way Colorado goes. They already got three wins, which is more than I thought they'd have this year, but they're, that, that that was not a good showing. Yeah, and I do. We have to shout out Penesul again. I mean, I know we we already talked about him winning the Pac-12 uh, Player of the Week, but he was a stud. Yeah, he was. All right, our uh, our number nine team is Washington State Cougars. This is the only one we got right. Uh, they took on the number three team, Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> We got it right, but we needed a Jaden Daniels like two minute drill from a true freshman to get this one right. Like that's that's how bad our picks are. Yeah. Um, Arizona State thirty eight, Washington State thirty four. Um, the huge number one. I, there's not even a, a close second takeaway from this one. Jaden Daniels is so freaking good, and it makes me so mad. You've got this kid from like California that. UCLA, like, kind of half-assedly recruited for a while, and then he goes to ASU, and he is, like, the best true freshman in the league, I don't know, for a long time. Just so poised. So good. Um, And throughout this game, like, it wasn't just at the end. He was a stud throughout, um, but the the two-minute drill he led at the end was just brilliant. Um, Absolutely brilliant play. Completes with a – finishes it with a um, – what was it? A 17 yard run for a touchdown where he has to kind of windmill at the end. Um, but I mean, he had to go, he only threw two incomplete passes on that entire drive. It was four. It was six for eight and the touchdown run at the end. Um, just incredible and managed it so well, like knew everything that he needed to do. Wasn't rushed, but also, you know, was moving with a pace threw the ball where it needed to go to, and he knew how many timeouts they had. Like it was so expertly done. Um, he's an absolute stud. Um, and he was obviously helped by Brandon Ayuk, who was, uh, incredible. Yeah. Um, so fast, so explosive, seven catches, 196 yards. Um, and Eno Benjamin got loose. Um, he finally kind of got going, um, this season, uh, with 19 carries for 137 yards. This offense, I think, you know, we were all worried about it, I think, to start the year with the offensive line issues. But ever since they moved Cole Cabral to center, and I thought he would have been a contender for um, 
Pac-12 offensive whatever. I think he was nominated. Whatever it was. I believe um, I think he was nominated, yeah. Because he was doing a lot of really good stuff on the interior to open up holes for Benjamin. Um, but this was, uh, this was a really great offensive showing for ASU. Um, and they played on defense. They, yeah. they, they played football. Um, was it good? No. No, they were not very good on defense. And Washington State obviously had a lot to do with that. Aesop Winston um, was having his way with Jack Jones for a lot of the game. Um, just basically just slant in, slant in, slant in. And uh, there was basically nothing that ASU was doing to disrupt it. Um, the broadcasters kept talking about um, this game plan that Danny Gonzalez had like unveiled. Like when he was with New Mexico back with Rocky Long like 15 years ago against the Air Raid. And then he brought it out again in this game, and I'm like, whatever that game plan was, buddy, just you can you can just hang on to that one. Yeah. You don't need to break it out again, because um, Anthony Gordon had 466 yards <laughs> um, and three touchdowns, and you know maybe they were forced to drive up and down the field a little bit more than they'd like, I guess. Um, but this wasn't. I, I didn't think this was expert defense from ASU. Um, and Washington State, you know, they got right a little bit offensively after um, being pretty bad in the last game. Um, but they've still got a lot to do here. Yeah. We are. Uh, so early on, Washington State uh, took the lead. And then ASU went on this like 17 nothing run. And you're like, wow, looks like uh, Herm's boys are taking control. And then Washington State 14-0 run right back. And it was at that point. You started watching this ASU defense because they. It seemed like they got they, they got a couple stops. It seemed like things were going okay, but you're like, oh, how much was that Washington State? Washington State just started to be clicking. Like every there was always a guy open. It was like first read, boom, and uh, I think they even had a couple penalties where they had longer down and distance, and they just picked it right back up. Like they were moving the ball like they were. It was like this amazing offense. Like it was like Gardner Minshew and shit back there. You were just like, okay, this is they're never going to be stopped. Um, but you know, it, it kind of ended up being this kind of back and forth game. Uh, Washington state kicked the field goal with under three minutes left. Uh, and, uh, and that amazing run by, you know, ASU, by, uh, Jaden Daniels, he leaped into the end zone. You're like, this is crazy. Like he's, he's like Superman out there. Um, so I, I just thought it was a really cool kind of game. I, it's definitely more points than I thought it would be. Uh, I agree. I mean, Arizona State just wasn't, you know, they're normally playing good defense, but they just couldn't figure things out. They just, they seemed to give the Washington State receivers a lot of space. And, uh, you know, Gordon was able to find guys and hit them in stride and hit, you know, hit some really good throws. Uh, some of them were tight windows. Some of the guys were wide open, but some of them were a little tighter windows. Um, but, you know, I thought you had interim uh, uh, defensive coordinator, uh, Rock Bellatoni, I think his name is. Uh, so he looked pretty good, I guess. Uh, they had they sacked Daniels three times in the first nine plays, uh, but then you know obviously they got things going. So they seem to at least have some stuff dialed up early on. Um, but this is the earliest uh, point in a season that Washington State's had three losses since uh, 2014, and that year uh, they lost nine games. So I'm not sure what to make of uh, of Washington State now. It seems like following that meltdown to UCLA. Uh, the wheels have come off a little bit because this was a winnable game. And I mean, they they did they did. I mean, their defensive coordinator resigned, and their defense does not appear to have gotten any better. Um, yeah, but it didn't get any worse, I guess. Maybe um, it's pretty bad. Um, so 
We didn't I don't know. talk I about mean, that, did we? I don't. I think we had a question about <laughs> I, that. I don't think we ever talked about we, that. No. We had mentioned that, like, oh yeah, you know, it's sort of like Oregon State. Uh, you know, Gary Anderson. I'm like, I'm out. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm done. Um, yeah, and if if you're looking ahead at the schedule for Wazoo, suddenly bowl eligibility is it's yeah, you can still see it. Um, Colorado this week. We'll talk about that. Um, and then they get Stanford at home, Oregon State at home, maybe at Cal. At Oregon and at Washington seem tough, but maybe yeah. at Cal. Um, yeah, they could get three more wins, but they're, they've got to improve. I mean, they've got to really figure some things out defensively. Um, the offense still appears to be working fine, but they really need to figure some things out defensively. Yeah. All right, we'll see. And uh, ASU continues to win uh, the close games. That's what Herm Edwards does. Um, I think... I think John Wilner had this. He said, oh, the 14 games that Herm Edwards played against Power 5 opponents, 12 of the 14 have been decided by a touchdown or less. Uh, and ASU 7-5 and five in those games. And I think they're, I believe they're 5-1 and one in games decided by three points or less. Now, this was like a four-point game. But um, Herm Edwards wins these games. And he at least keeps his team... In all of these games. so I've been impressed with him. And I don't think it's the case. Like a, You know how like Jim Tressel at Ohio State would just sit on the ball when he had a big lead. And occasionally like it would just be a close game at yeah. the end. Like that sort of ball. It's not really that. I see him. I mean, the way I look at it is they're, they're playing a lot of close games. Because he's managing things well enough to stay in it with teams that kind of either blitz him a little bit early. Or teams that maybe have a little bit more talent than ASU. Um, but I, I think he manages the game really well. Yeah. Um, I think they would they would willingly blow some teams out if they could, um, and I just don't know if they're fully equipped yet. Um, the defense especially, I mean, it wasn't able to hold down Washington State, but it wasn't like the offense was like being super conservative. Um, they're doing interesting and, and, and kind of fun stuff. It's just um, I don't think they have all the pieces to be a truly dominant team yet, but to be at 5-1 and one, um, with all these one-score games um, – that's that's hugely impressive. I, I, we'll we'll be saying it till the end of time, but I I still think well deserved mea culpa from us um, on on Dog and Herm because I mean there's an argument he's what top three or top four game coach in the Pac-12 right now. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I, anyway, I would agree. Um. Well, all right. We'll see. We have uh, next up. We have our number eight team, Arizona Wildcats. <laughs> And uh, it's funny, all the it's like the bottom tier was all playing the top tier. Like that's how it all ended up. Uh, they are playing our number four team, Washington Huskies. <laughs> yeah, so this one was kind of funky. Um, so it was actually so it finished fifty one twenty seven Washington. Uh, it was seventeen thirteen Arizona at halftime. Yeah. Um, so Washington scored thirty eight, and Arizona scored ten in the second half. Um, but even that 17-13 felt a little bit like a mirage in that first half, mostly because, and this is what I was talking about earlier with Montez, uh, Khalil Tate was the other senior quarterback who just had a full WTF Ooh, game. Um, there's like a quarterback controversy now, potentially. And I, I'm not sure there should be. Um, he was so bad in this one and just so often doing that exact thing Montez was doing where against pressure or against phantom pressure, just running backwards and to his right. 
backwards and to his right, and then just lofting a ball out of uh, off to the sideline, uh, just throwing the ball away. And watching it, and I'm not even I I don't care about Arizona football one way or another. Sorry, Wildcats fans. I was frustrated. Like it was frustrating to watch, and I I get that some of it was Washington's defense. But a lot more of it looked like Tate was just making a decision, like, off the snap, oh, they're not going to block these guys. I'm just going to start taking off. Um, but he wasn't taking off forward. Like, no, there was nothing going forward for him. It was all backwards to his right. And he does not have the arm talent or, uh, you know, the the decision-making downfield to be doing that a lot. Um, and then we saw later in the game, he doesn't have the decision-making in the backfield to be doing that. Um, what? With, that was fumble? that it? What, was that rule the fumble or an interception? I can't I believe, remember. I think it was a fumble. So it was it was a six three game, and you know this looked like it was going to be this back and forth sort of thing. And he like essentially threw the ball. It was like he's trying to throw it away, but he but threw he, it. But he didn't get anything on it either. Yeah, and he like threw there was it nothing on it, and it basically was just picked up by Washington and scored. And you're like. Really? Like what? And that was after he like scrambled back like what? 15 yards already? Yeah. It was like you just basically handed Washington and what looked like, you know, 6-3 game looked like this was going to be tight. You just you turned it into uh 13-3 just like that and you're like, "What the what the heck happened?" Now he did bounce back. He had a great drive right after that. Um and Arizona ended up leading uh at the half, but they allowed that touchdown drive to Washington to start the third. Then they turned the ball over again, led to another TD. That was 27-17, and it just sort of like went downhill from there. But, it, like, you're right. Arizona, outside of the mistakes, like, they could have won this game. But then they're just – it's just like they imploded. Yeah, it was a full implosion. And, you know, it almost felt like the the the, the announcers had been prepped with the idea that this could be, you know, Tate could get pulled for, for Gunnell. Gunnel. What did we decide? Gunnel? I you wanted uh I want Gunnel. You want it Gunnel. is Gunnell, but yeah, I want to go think, Gunnel. Yeah, I think okay. you wanted the different. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so Grant Gunnel. Um <laughs> it, it seemed like the the announcers had been prepared for the idea that that might happen. So I wonder if the coaching staff was maybe letting that be known that he could, you know, potentially come in for a performance issue. Um, cause, and Tate didn't have it. I thought after that, that turnover, that bizarre turnover, that's the kind of thing where you pull a guy, even a senior, because it's like, you can't, you, you can't be making that mistake. Not right there. No. Not in that moment. Um, so I thought that was, that was a little bit nuts. Um, but yeah, I mean, so Arizona, I thought was, uh, good enough in the first half and then things got away from them. Um, as for Washington, I thought the story of this one was really them breaking out our man, Puka Nakua, in the second half, um, and him really showing why he maybe should be playing a little bit more. Um, If you guys remember, Army All-American out of uh, Utah, was committed to USC, switches, people thought he might end up at Utah, he ends up at Washington, he had his first catch ever was a touchdown, like in week two, they just haven't used him that much, but they don't really have dynamic playmakers for for you know for uh, Jacob Eason he's he's one of them yeah and he should be playing a ton more going forward um i think that was that was an obvious takeaway from this one um i also liked you know Sean McGrew um he's a guy you know we watched a ton of in high school um and he's he had one really really nice run the 44 yarder but um he was solid throughout the entire game and Saban Ahmed 
Um, also, uh, also had a nice game converting a bunch of touchdowns. Um, but yeah, I mean, Washington, I thought they really, really showed up more offensively in the second half. The first half, I was just blown away by their just general conservatism. Um, and just, they, they are just so tough to watch when uh, it's just, I keep likening it to when Carl Durrell was running his West Coast offense at UCLA, and even when it was good, which was rare, but even when it was good, it was just like so dink and dunk and just unwatchable stuff. And that's what this first half looked like, uh, but they really got it going in the second half, so that was good to see. And hopefully it is just, uh, you know, put some more talented guys out there and see what happens. Um, But, yeah. Oh, we got to talk special teams. Oh, okay. Back-to-back series, we had muffed punts. <laughs> Sweet. That doesn't happen a lot. No. No, it doesn't. Was that in this game, or am I talking about a different game? No, I think it was, right? It was... Uh... I'm looking for the play-by-play because I want to get it right. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah. okay. So it was so the it was with team recovered both of them on back-to-back series, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was really cool cuz so the first one was the Washington punt and then the oh, wait, Arizona no, that blocker. Was, that was the Utah Oregon State game. No, 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 it was this one. Was it this one? Okay. We watch so much bad Pac-12 football that we actually get ourselves confused. I do, yeah. It's really fun stuff. Um, so Washington punted, and then uh, Arizona had the blocker run into the guy who was uh, attempting to return the punt, and then it just goes back and Washington recovers it. And then Arizona did literally the exact same thing to Washington on the next play. It was super cool to watch. <laughs> um. So we'll see if Pukunakua kind of changes the uh, dynamic of the Washington offense. One of the issues that the Huskies are still having, uh, their red zone TD percentage is 53% right now. So it's that's 102nd in the nation. Uh, I think this might have been a Wilner stat too. Behind juggernauts such as Western Kentucky, South Alabama, Akron. But actually, it, they have a better percentage than couple of Pac-12 schools, Colorado, ASU, and Stanford. Uh, but they, you know, you want to be, go out and win games like the Oregon game, uh, Utah game, a couple of tough ones coming up for Washington. You got to convert more of those red zone opportunities into touchdowns and not settle for field goals. Yep. Uh, all right. So let's move on. Let's see. So our, that was our number eight team. Our, our number seven team is Stanford Cardinal. And uh, they had a bye. So they, I think they moved up a little bit because of stuff around them. Uh, our number six team is California Golden Bears. They also moved up a little bit and they also had a bye. So all the California schools had a bye except our, our number five team who lost but didn't move in the rankings. And it's kind of just the way things are. It's USC Trojans. Yeah, and you probably could have justified moving them down a little bit, but eh, it's, it's hard. hard. Like with California not scoring, like it's hard to you know, like <laughs> yeah. when you look at their quarterback, you're like, I, I I can't I can't like in good conscience put them above USC. Stanford Cal- got smoked by USC, so it's like, what do you do? Like it's hard to. So it's like USC's at five, but I'm like, should they be? But who would be above them? You know, 
It's true. It's true. All right. So uh, Notre Dame uh, beat USC 30-27. to Kind of a, a strange game. Uh, Notre Dame dominated early and kind of dominated throughout with their ability to run the ball. Um, USC never really developed an answer for just Notre Dame just pounding the ball and kind of killing them on it. Um, Tony Jones Jr. had basically his best game ever for Notre Dame. Um, and... It, Really, USC just looked kind of beaten by it early on. Um, for a while there, Notre Dame was just getting like eight, nine-yard chunks whenever they wanted. Um, but to their credit, they kind of tightened up at different points, um, never really consistently, but um, forced a couple of, of stalled drives from Notre Dame, uh, particularly in the second half. Um, USC, so the one thing, and you can talk more about the game, one thing I'm still taken by is Marquis step. Um, you know, I, I've, I've basically liked everything I've seen out of him this year. And I know USC has a ton of talent at running back and Malapai and Stephen Carr. I think steps the best running back. And especially given this collection of offensive line guys, I think he's the best fit for what they're trying to do. And I think he's the most likely to convert a five yard, six yard gain basically every time he's out there. I'd be writing him going forward and just have him be your like 20 carry a game guy and just have him be the primary dude. Yeah, I know. I agree. A lot of USC fans agree with you. He got 10 carries. I think it was 82 yards. He had 10 carries the week before. That was a career high. Um, he had a touchdown where he's like dragging people in and people just want to see him run the ball. And I, I think a lot of it has to do Scheme-wise, like we've seen some really good things from Stephen Carr, Vavai's more, Vavai Malpea is more of a like kind of do everything back. But just the way this offensive line blocks, it just seems like they're so hit or miss. You're better off with a guy like Step, who doesn't necessarily need the play blocked well. Like Carr kind of needs it blocked well, but if he gets blocks and he gets in space, he can do some special things. Step is like, oh, the play is broken down. I'll just power through, and uh, he might break a couple tackles and. And, and get a long run. I mean, he was, every time he was touching the ball, it was like 12 yards, like in the beginning. And um, you're like, hmm, what's up with that? Now, uh, we, we just found out last night that Vivai Malpei had uh, some kind of minor knee surgery. They're not sure when he's going to come back. So I think you will see a lot more of Marquis step. I think the concerning thing, like Ian Book to me was just sort of meh. And I mean, there was not a he, lot he's, of... He's not very good. No, it was like, eh. But the, you know, USC secondary was pretty banged up. Um, and they're, they're all young and they're, they're playing pretty well. Um, Max Williams had what, you know, started the previous week. He was a true freshman coming off uh, knee surgery. If you watched him at Sarah high school, not a big dude, but just kind of fun to watch. He played really well. He had a sack and a, a forced fumble, uh, in Seattle against Washington. They could have used him. He broke some kind of team rule, so he didn't play. And, uh, the reason he started the previous week is because Greg Johnson broke a team rule. Now, Greg Johnson only missed a quarter. Max Williams missed the entire game, but uh, they ended up playing some dude. I don't even remember his name from the recruiting class uh, out there. So it was kind of crazy what they were doing, but they still did a pretty good job. Uh, they had some, they got some really good pressure early on uh, bringing uh, guys from the secondary on blitzes and stuff, getting to Ian book, but the, the, ru the rushing, you know, 308 yards uh, on the ground for Notre Dame. And a lot of it was up the middle. Now USC has been susceptible to, to edge runs, but, they were going right up the strength of USC's defense. And uh, for whatever reason, they were blocking it well and getting chunks up the middle. So that had to be disconcerting. And uh, USC came back and, and you know, there was a, this crazy pass uh, 
uh, roughing the passer call that really shouldn't have been one and that gave Notre Dame three points. And outside of that, I mean, USC was right with them. Um, You know, it was a three-point game, which is kind of crazy. We didn't think Notre Dame would cover. I mean, we didn't think uh, USC would cover this one, but they they kept it close at the end, and uh, they had a shot. But Notre Dame had like a 15-play drive or something. USC yeah. couldn't get off the field, so that was you're sort of doomed at that point. Yeah, and the fact that they could, I mean, it, whatever you want to say about all that stuff, the game was in your hands, um, USC, um, and 14 plays, 75 yard drive that takes up six, seven minutes of clock, um, and then Notre Dame caps it off with a touchdown, and it was a lot of what you were talking about, just a lot of run, 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 and USC just couldn't stop it, um, and. You know, that Notre Dame offensive line, I think that's probably the best part about that team. Um, so there is that. Um, I thought they were really good. Um, but you've got to be able to get them off the field there um, in the fourth quarter. You can't let them drive seven full minutes um, and and go up two scores at the end. Yeah. Um, so, and USC then backdoored it. Um, but I think it was, we got it at 10 and a half. I think it dropped at some point, but um, we got it at 10 and a half. Um, Keaton Slovis was good. Yeah, I thought he was sharp. Um, you know, not quite at his peak level right before he got hurt, but he was good. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown had a great touchdown catch where he had to kind of bat it down with one hand and kind of you know bat it to himself um, as he was racing into the end zone. He's really good. He's ridiculous uh, the, at making those kind of catches where you adjust in the air and stuff. He's so good at that. I really love Tyler Vaughn's. I think whoever had notes for the announcers maybe got it twisted a little bit because they called Tyler Vaughn's the best athlete in the receiving group, and I think he might be the worst of them. Yeah, of the of the of the main receivers. He's um, real smooth and like great like, body control, yeah, like yeah. great body control, great hands, can jump. Like he's got some vertical to him, but Michael Pittman's a really good athlete, and Amon Rice St. Brown is ridiculous. Right. Um from a speed standpoint. So, um, yeah, I thought that was a little bit funny. Um, but, uh, overall, um, I thought it was a pretty good game from USC. Um, just, they've got to be able to stop the run better than they were. Yeah. That's pretty much it. You got to do that. So the Trojans were 11 point underdogs or so at Notre Dame. They fought hard. They almost got the upset. Uh, it wasn't the most exciting finish. Like Notre Dame ran the, the clock out essentially, uh, and you know, between these two teams. But the craziest one I ever witnessed, Dave, was the Bush push game. So they were talking about this kind of stuff, you know, some of the history. But leading up to that contest, it was almost like there was no way the actual game could ever live up to the hype. But man, it did. If you guys remember that, they exceeded it. So if you're a huge college football fan and you want to relive that game and all the chaos surrounding it, I recommend you listen to the Bush push podcast with voice actors portraying players coaches and personalities on both sidelines. The six episode podcast takes you back to South Bend in 2005 when Pete Carroll's USC juggernaut riding a 27 game win streak. Well, remember those collided with a Charlie Weiss led Notre Dame team that was in the midst of quote, returning to glory. So the Bush push podcast came out last week. Be sure to track it down wherever you listen to your podcast. So go check that out guys. If you like the history, it's a, you know, I think, uh, NBC does a pretty good job with uh, some of the history stuff there and everything. So um, it, it was a loss that gave Charlie Weiss like forty million dollars. He so was that's great. Yeah, he's still probably getting money from that. Today. Oh, almost certainly. What was it? It was a ten-year deal back in. Oh no, so it's probably done because it was a ten-year deal back in two thousand five. Was that? Yeah, but I mean, he got contracts after that and stuff. Like it was crazy. Yeah. Where, where was his last? 
I don't remember. Kansas. Kansas. Oh, yeah. He was, yeah. Can- he was the Kansas head coach. Um, and he was definitely still getting paid at that point. But yeah, five games. I was reading about that recently. Five games into his tenure after a loss, he was three and two, I think, at that point. <laughs> and he gets an extension in his first year. What a. What a simpler time that was. Yeah. You almost beat <laughs> USC and then you almost beat USC and then maybe it was like an almost beat Michigan State. Uh, I can't even remember. It was yeah, incredible. Yeah. Incredible stuff. All right. Um we're going to Well, Oh, yeah. Well, no, no, don't we have to list the rest of the power rankings or are we done? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we didn't do that. My bad. Did um, we Are there any more that we missed? No, besides? so we had 4 was Washington, so they played 3 was Arizona State, they played 2 was Utah and then 1 was Oregon. Yeah, so it was the basically we had teams like 11, 10, 9 and 8 playing teams 1, 2, 3 and 4. Um, that was great. Yeah. So that's basically and it so that's why the rankings didn't move that much because you had a couple teams in the middle on a bye, uh, but the bottom teams just lost to the top teams, so it didn't really change very much. All right. Yeah. Well, Ryan, I've got something to talk to you about. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's talk some Mack Weldon. Mm, I like Whatever Mac you're Weldon. wearing right now, Ryan. What are you wearing? You I'm actually married. Describe it. I, I'm wearing Mack Weldon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then Mac Weldon is as good as whatever you're wearing right now. But if you at home are not wearing Mac Weldon, it's better. And I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not shilling here. I'm telling you the God's honest truth. My Mac Weldon sweatshorts, you've heard me talk about I them. know. My ace sweatshorts from Mac Weldon are the best pair of shorts I've ever worn. They're incredible. And the process of buying these things was so easy. Just go to the website, you pick out what you like, you can get underwear, you can get socks, you can get tops, you can get bottoms, you can get whatever you want. And then it's a really easy to use interface. What you see is very much like what you're going to get. You can select the size, you can add to the cart. It's all very clear and very descriptive. Um, there's reviews right there. You can see how things are rated. Um, it'll tell you everything about what they're made out of. It's really great. Recommend it. Um, we I, you love your Mack Weldon. I love my Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Um, Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear, which is a bold claim, but I buy it. Um, but yeah, those sweatshorts are incredible. Um, I recommend you can go for a run in them. You can just lounge around in them. They're just, they're wonderful stuff. Um, so, in, so, with this, uh, for 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code POC. Uh, that's going to be MacWeldon.com, promo code POC. Get some sweatshorts. What did you get from them, Ryan? What so do you got? My favorite thing are the uh, boxer briefs. So since I've been working out uh, most mornings, I've always make sure I have one of my pairs of Mac Weldon's ready because uh, they just fit really well for the workout stuff and they don't ride up or anything. So that's... That's probably my favorite thing. I like the uh, the underwear a lot. And as as everyone now knows, I'm a big sweatshort aficionado. You so, MacWeldon.com, promo code POC, get 20% off your first order. Well done, David. Nice. It was beautiful. Yeah, you're good stuff. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, do you have favorite underwear? Like, if you don't and you go buy the Mac Weldon stuff, you will because it's like, oh, that's what, you know, I want to well, make sure. The thing I is, do more laundry I, now because I want to make sure I can. Well, that's the truth. It's like I've always bought like just whatever cheap Target brand stuff, right? And it doesn't like it doesn't feel like anything. It's like whatever. This is just you know clothes. Um, 
that's why I'm raving about it. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, this is actually kind of nice. Yeah. Like, oh. Clothes, clothes can feel nice. They don't have to feel like rough cotton all the time. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, should we uh, jump into uh, week eight action? Let's do. We have, um, so there's no buys. Everybody's playing. Everybody's playing somebody. So we got six games, so this should be pretty fun. Um, no lot- matter how much we wish some of them weren't playing. Right. And, uh, and no matter how much we wish they were on other networks, um, this, is the, this is the lot we were dealt this week for Week 8. So first up, these two teams both were on a bye. We have UCLA Bruins. They'll be on the road. Uh, where they've had a lot of success lately against Stanford Cardinals. 11 straight for Stanford. Uh, all right. Thursday, 6 p.m. on ESPN, UCLA, traveling to the farm to take on Stanford. Uh, the line has fluctuated a little bit. It started out at 7.5, moved to 10 at one point yesterday, but now is back down to Stanford minus 8. Um, this one was, if you remember, way back to like three weeks ago, I was citing this as a potential win for UCLA. Yes, me too. Which was back when Stanford looked completely dead in the water. UCLA looked a little bit feisty after Washington State. Uh, the complexion has certainly changed now. Uh, Stanford is coming off its um, obviously best game of the year in beating Washington, but that kind of undersells what it may have meant. Um, Stanford really got right offensively in that one. Uh, they suddenly looked like Stanford again. Um, now, we still don't know, I think, about quarterback health and which one, if either of them, is going to start this football game, uh, Davis Mills or KJ Costello. That might be something that David Shaw keeps close to the vest until game time. Um, but either way, I think this offense is is starting to to fire a little bit better. Um, it'll change, obviously, if, if both of those guys are out. But um, uh, who knows? We'll, we'll see. Um, and UCLA, um, while Stanford has gotten right, has gotten very, very wrong. Uh, UCLA managed to lose to Oregon State, an Oregon State team that just lost 52-7 to to Utah at home. They managed to lose to them 48-31 at home last week um, after losing to Arizona with a backup quarterback and a backup running back the previous week and needing a miracle to pull off a win at Washington State in a game that they were down by 25 points. So, uh, 32 points, sorry. Sorry, I didn't want to get that wrong. Um so UCLA is terrible. Stanford might be getting right. Uh, give me Stanford minus eight. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with you. Um, I think the history is going to have something to do with this. Like you said, eleven straight games uh, for uh, Stanford in this series. Um, you know, could could UCLA come out and be feisty on the road? I think there's some potential there, but it's hard for me to just watching UCLA. I pick them. Last week, you know, two weeks ago against Oregon State, that just leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you pick UCLA and uh, they get absolutely boat raced by the worst team in the conference. So, not the worst team in the conference, not anymore. They didn't play themselves. Yeah. So, I'm going to have to agree with you and say Stanford. So, that obviously means UCLA will roll in this one. And what would it have to be for you to take UCLA? I think I would start thinking about it at double digits. Like, I would at least, like, 10, I wouldn't, 13. I wouldn't, I don't think I would take UCLA under 17. Really? So two, yeah. 14, I would, I think. But yeah, it's I think, just a I, lot. It's a lot. It's going to be, it's going to be insanely hard for these linebackers to cover Colby Parkinson. Safety play has not been good. 
um, the secondary has been awful. I, I think even Jack West or whatever his name is, I think he'll be able to complete balls against the secondary. I'd be, I, I'd be stunned if UCLA won this game. Here's the issue though, because you know Stanford, if they're getting back to more Stanford ways, um, they could dominate the game and like win by six. So like if you start to get up to 14 points, I mean. You know, you might see Stanford like punting on third down and stuff. Like they just, you know, they can go into this like the shell. Um, they're not really one to push the envelope as far as like they'll win the game, but not necessarily like by a whole bunch of points. So that that's why I would be a little reluctant. But who knows? It's true. It's true. All right. Uh, so that's the Thursday uh, game. Then we have five games uh, on Saturday. First up, you know, we're keeping with the bottom rankings people here. Oregon State Beavers. <laughs> They'll be on the road in the Bay Area uh, for a team coming off a bye. We have California Golden Bears. And obviously a much needed bye for Cal. So this is on at 11.30 a.m. on the Pac-12 network. So a rare pure West Coast 11.30 a.m. game. Uh, Oregon State traveling to California. Uh, Cal is favored by 10.5. That's a robust line for Cal um, given what we know and don't know about their quarterback situation. Uh, Devon Modster has now had a bye week. And so I would expect him to look and he looked more comfortable in the last game. Maybe he looks even more comfortable in this one. Maybe mm-hmm. um, Oregon state just got, it's just, you know, walls blown off against uh, Utah. Um, but I don't know that that's necessarily indicative of what they're going to do going forward. Um, it certainly does give me pause that Cal's defense is very good. Um, maybe not quite as good as last year, but still very good. Um, Oregon State, I'm having a hard time seeing them have such a bad game offensively two weeks in a row, and I just don't know how much Cal's going to score. Ten and a half feels like a lot, so I will take Oregon State to cover. All right. Um, This is the way I was leaning anyway. Uh, I was going to lean towards Cal. And this one uh, coming off the and bye. And then I confirmed it for you. Then you confirmed it for me. So, like, this is one of those ones, like, I, you know, whatever Dave picks, I'm just going to take the opposite because I have no freaking clue with Oregon State. So I just figured I'll do the opposite of what you do and see what happens because Oregon State has just frustrated me. I don't want to put more thought into thinking about what Oregon State could or couldn't do because whatever I think, it's the opposite happens. So I will take the opposite of you, and I'll go Cal. We'll All right. S- we'll see if they uh, – do we know when Chase Garbage is coming back? <laughs> uh, it could be – not even at the end of the year. Really? So it could be a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we have, there's two matchups that are between uh, ranked Pac-12 teams, which makes this week uh, very interesting. Uh, we have, you know, as you know, this is our number one team. Oregon Ducks. And they are taking on Washington Huskies. All right. This one's on at 12.30 p.m. on ABC. Love seeing these games early in the day. You know, too often these marquee matchups get pushed to like, you know, way late. Yeah. So it's nice to see this during the daytime. Uh, number 12, Oregon traveling to number 25, Washington. Oregon is a three point road favorite. Mm. Yes. Very interesting. Um, all right. So this one is basically it's going to come down to Oregon's defense how much, if anything, Washington's able to do against it. Um, And then Oregon's offense. Um, They have not been 
super dominant this year, um, but they just had maybe their best game of the season last week against Colorado. Are they starting to figure things out a little bit? Um, but Washington, you know, that defense has taken a step back from last year. I still think they're quite good, um, but maybe not elite or very good um, like they've been in years past. I don't know about three points here. Um, so Jacob Eason has been prone to some poor showings. And if Washington goes back to playing, it's, you know, good-ish, but not great receivers. And, you know, puts my man Puka Nakua on the bench again. Uh, I could see Washington have a real tough time scoring in this one. But if they put their playmakers out there and actually, you know, open it up a little bit, they could score a little against this defense. Um, and I don't know how much Oregon is going to score against what is a pretty good, um, if not great, uh, Washington defense. So three points, more or less, what you're asking is which team is going to win the game. Um I'm going to opt for chaos and say, uh, and I'll take, I'll take Washington. Nice. I love it. Uh, cause I wanted to take Oregon. So I'm going to stick with my Oregon pick. Do it. And, uh, go the opposite. I, you know, watching Washington in Seattle with against USC and some of the better athletes, I didn't think Washington played that well. Um, Jacob Beeson was pretty pedestrian. This is an Oregon team that just doesn't give up a lot of points. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, it's not three is not that many. I know it's on the road. Um, I'm going to, you know, this is the PAC 12's best chance at a playoff team. So I'm going to roll with the ducks and, uh, see, how, right. see how they do Woo-hoo. should be interesting. All right. So that's one, uh, matchup between ranked teams. We have another one. Uh, we have the fighting Herms, Arizona state sun devils. <laughs> And they're going to be on the road. This is a big one in the Pac-12 South taking on Utah Utes. All right, this is on 3 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Number 17, ASU, traveling to number 13, Utah. Utah's favored by 14 points, so I'm taking ASU, obviously, um, because that there's not a way to score 14 points in a single drive. Um, and this is, this is a one-score operation over at ASU, so... No way Utah's covering that much. Um, I'm not sure who's going to win. So ASU, uh, I think they've got the uh, uh, one of the best true freshman quarterbacks who's come through the Pac-12 in a long, long time in Jaden Daniels. I think that offense is figuring things out. This is going to be one of the better defensive challenges they will have this season. But they have already played Michigan State, and that's a, you know, results against like a Wisconsin notwithstanding. That's a pretty good Michigan State defense. Um, and you know, that was with their offensive line still not completely figured out. Um, and sure they didn't have a great game against that defense, but they played one and, uh, Utah is probably a step behind that. So, um, I think they should be able to score a little bit. Um, now that Cole Cabral is firmly ensconced at center, um, Utah though should also be able to score. Um, I think they, yeah, I think Tyler Huntley has shown the ability to, complete passes to all levels on the field this year. Um, and I think he's going to be able to attack the secondary, maybe not in the same way that Washington state did, but he will be able to find some favorable matchups. Um, and it's, you know, it, I think it could be a back and forth kind of game, but I really don't see this being more than one score. So give me ASU. No, dude, they're in one score games every time. I told you like 14 power five conference opponents, 12 were with touchdown or less. Um, you remember the last time that uh, ASU was a 14 point dog? 
yeah, Michigan State, they won 10-7. to Neither team even scored 14 points. So I'm not saying that's going to happen here. But I, you, you got to take ASU and 14 all day. Um, I've been much better at picking ASU. Uh, the only one I got wrong since like week one was the Cal game when Garbers got hurt. Um, so, you know, that was a, yeah. So I, I'm in this, in this case, I think you got to take the points. There's just no quite, you know, maybe Utah comes out and just, and blows them away. and shows, you know, why we think they're one of the elite teams in the conference. I mean, that's fine, but it's just hard to picture that happening with the way ASU is able to stay in every game. So I think Utah wins, but 14 is a ton of points for that defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Even though we saw some holes in that defense before, but they scored some points. So, all right. So that's on Pac-12 Network. Five and one ASU, five and one Utah. John Wilner wrote about this where is this really, because this is a week that Fox isn't involved. It's only ESPN. So the Pac-12 network has three of these games. Um, they obviously, ABC went, got the Oregon, Washington. And I think because you got the Stanford, UCLA, um, game on Thursday night. I think the Pac-12 network had like the next pick. And is it, do you feel it's like responsible of the Pac-12 network to take this game? Or would you rather let ESPN have it so more people could see this marquee matchup in the Pac-12 South? Yeah, this is where like the warring interests of the Pac-12 come into play because it'd probably be better for the two schools if this one was on Much a better. more televised <laughs> network. But for the network, um, it's better to have quality inventory, and this is a this is a potentially very good game, and potentially, I mean, this is this is for the South at this point. Um, Arizona State and Utah; those are the two you know major contenders. I mean, I guess at USC too, um, but the, these are two of the major contenders. So this is not a South elimination battle, but it's pretty close to it. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I would prefer it's on a different network. It doesn't really matter to me because I can watch the Pac-12 network, but I can understand some frustration in uh, in fandom circles for sure. I think Utah. I think it was Utah that was complaining too because they've been on the Pac-12 network a lot. I, you know, this is where. Why are you a media company and a conference? The best thing for the conference is for that to be shown by as many people as possible. Like a lot, as many people be able to watch that. But you know your interest of trying to make a little bit more money on the Pac-12 network, you're going to have it be seen by 17 million people instead of 60 million people. And, you know, that's a, a big game. And, you know, do you want, you know, if, if Utah's still in Yogi Roth's mind, still a contender <laughs> to make the college football playoff, you can't put their, their game against number 17 Arizona state on the Pac-12 network. You got to let everyone see it, you know? Um, yep. So I, I have an issue with it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, next up, uh, so we're getting to later now, we have... Colorado Buffalo. Two teams that are on fire, by the way. Taking on... Washington State Cougars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally on fire, like burning down on fire. <laughs> um, this one's on at 4 p.m. on ESPNU. So this is the game that should be on the Pac-12 network. you got a pair of three and three teams, but instead it's on ESPNU. Uh, Colorado traveling to Pullman to take on Washington State. Washington State's favored by 13 points. I, that feels so right. I don't even know which way to pick it because that feels like kind of dead on. Um, 
I think Washington State's offense is probably the best thing going in this game. Um, Colorado's defense has not impressed me this year um, with just, I mean, Mustafa Johnson being out, but also just um, haven't been impressed with that secondary, um, even with that that transfer who basically just intercepts the ball all the time. Um, They just haven't been, I think, particularly sound this year. Um, But Washington State's defense is nothing great. And if there's a game where Steven Montez is going to get right, it would be against this defense. Um, But I think Washington State's offense is just, it's so good. And this Colorado defense is so not great um, that they should be able to score more often than not. And I think Colorado's offense is just a little too glitchy to do that. So I'll reluctantly take Washington State to cover the 13, um, but I, I think it is like it's a two-touchdown game. Yeah, man, I really want to pick opposite you, but I, I just – I like Washington State's offense. Um, they they just looked better last week when they were doing some great things. You know, we talked about Colorado. I think they're, what, 124th in the country and uh, yards per play. That just seems to not work well. Steven Montez does not – look well this is a game at home i mean i i don't know we saw washington state blow what was it the last time yeah they haven't been at home for a while the last time they were at home they lost to ucla uh up you know up 32 um so i think i'm gonna go with washington state as well and uh and and see that you know they, it's been a month since they've been had a home game they'll come back and they'll they'll lick their wounds from the asu loss and play well and and get on and get a win. So sure. I will agree with you on that one somewhat reluctantly, but with that. All right. Uh, this is the uh, night cap. Also packed up network. I believe we have Arizona Wildcats <laughs> taking on USC Trojans. An early nightcap, which I am thankful for, 6.30 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Arizona traveling to USC. USC is favored by 10 points. Um, All right, so there's a few interesting factors in this game. Um, I I don't anticipate Khalil Tate's going to play that bad again. Um, He was very bad last week, but, you know, I think he'll maybe be a little bit less under fire in this one kind of constantly, just because... USC is a little bit different, um, but still, it's not like Clancy Pendergast is an unaggressive defensive coordinator. So if Tate's still feeling phantom pressure next week, he'll be continuing to feel it. Um, so yeah, Arizona's defense, on the other hand, has been interesting. Uh, they weren't great against Washington, but they do like to pressure the quarterback and they can disrupt some teams. Um, it's just a question of whether that's going to be enough against USC. Um, Keaton Slovis is, you know, back to full health. This will be the second game back against a, a less a less challenging defense, even with Arizona's improvements. Um, I don't love picking USC to cover, um, and I love I don't love giving Ryan the opportunity to pick opposite me because he is never going to pick USC to cover. <laughs> but I have to go with USC here. I think they will probably. You know, they they kind of done this under Clay Helton, which is they'll have kind of a uh, game and then come back and play pretty well and just kind of be up and down. And I think this could be a real up game for them where they, you know, might suddenly blow out Arizona. Um, I could 100% see that happening. So give me USC. I'll have them covering the 10. All right. I'll take uh, Arizona because I don't pick USC. Obviously. Um, but let's see. So I could see that, but you could also argue that USC's up game was the loss at Notre Dame where they played. But was well. it? 
was it? That's like they were they were they were down seventeen three at the half. True. It was twenty twenty to three to start the, the third. Oh, that's quarter. right. Yeah. Um so they yeah, they bookend Notre Dame bookend the uh, halves with field goals, exactly what Washington did uh the week before too, or, or two weeks before. Right. Yeah. Uh I, I think Arizona's gonna bounce back and play a little bit better. They were they were hanging with Washington like we saw, but then there was just some really dumb mistakes. You hope that the coaching staff would go and fix some of that stuff. Um, cause there have been some issues. Uh, we've seen it, but we've seen this, both teams have issues. So I kind of think USC wins this one, but it'll probably be closer, a little bit more of a meh performance, but they get the win, but 10 points is a lot. So I'll take, uh, I'll take Arizona. All right, cool. Sweet. So one of us is going to continue being very bad, most likely. And one of us is going to finally break the Or I think we've picked four, there might've been four games different or three. I don't know. So there'll at least be something, but like, even when we've picked opposite it's oh yeah like, we could go over on the three we agreed on and then we split basically the ones we didn't yeah and one of us still wins one right so it's still bad um we'll see okay well let's uh why don't we take a quick break we'll come back and answer your questions back in a minute ebay motors is here for the ride Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. That's such great music, Ryan. You, you like it? It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, you know, I just come up with stuff. There's, I'm not much of an audio engineer. It's a bit, I play one on these podcasts, so mostly out of necessity because, you know, <laughs> we don't have a department to like, hey, send this to audio engineering and have them fix it. Like, I'll do it. I'm like, maybe that sounds terrible, but that's, you know. Yeah, I get it. Come up with stuff. Uh, all right. Well, we don't have a ton of questions. Did we do a Monday show last week, too? We did a Monday show last wow. week. Wow! Yeah. So this is uh, is was it just because there were some blowouts or what? What do you think? Like I it get- wasn't a really interesting week. No, it wasn't. And also keep in mind, I mean, I think we've we've definitely expanded our listener base, but I would still say the majority of listeners come from USC and UCLA, and UCLA didn't have a game. So that's true. Yeah. All the California schools were off except for USC. Yeah. So and I think we get we get a decent we get. I think four of the five Stanford fans have emailed in. They have, yes. Um, and uh, n- none of the like remaining like six Cal fans, um, but I'm sure we'll get them soon. I mean, Ryan Gorsey can always call in again. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it was a it was a light week. Yeah, um, it's funny. And two of the questions we got had to do with like something that you you <laughs> one of the uh, tangents you went off on uh, the name uh, Brent. Brett and uh, Brett. Yeah. So we got a, so this is our buddy Brent 
Um, he texted in. He said, how I feel when you say my name should be Brett. Anyways, y'all keep killing it. Oh, I think he was... was there? No, there's like a video or a sound thing yeah, that he wants us to... But I could. I tried it. I couldn't play it. It says no name on it. I don't know. It seemed virusy. So I wasn't like going to... I don't know if you try if you you want to try it if you want. Yeah, no, it, it's not a file type. Brent, you got Brett, you got to send this again, <laughs> but you got to send it with the file type. Yeah, it's uh, the wrong one. So he says, "Y'all keep killing." It. So we don't know what he this is how he feels about it, but he said, "Y'all keep killing it." I want to take a second and ask, would you rather all Pac-12 games be like Oregon versus Cal, which was absolutely horrifically dull, and uh, have one team in the playoffs, or the way it is now? where any and every game could be fun. Go Beavs from Brent, or what we like to call Brett. Yeah, from Brett. All right, thanks, Brett. Um, <laughs> I uh, I would 100% rather it this way. This is way more fun. M- more fun to talk about, too. Um, if it was, like, horrifically boring, like, I don't know. The Big Ten's pretty boring, right? Or the ACC. Those are both pretty boring. Yeah. Um, and kind of crappy leagues. Um, no, the Big Ten's fine, but the ACC is really bad. Um, I would much prefer that. I much prefer this to that. I mean, I, especially because for my personal UCLA is never going to do it anyway, so I don't really care. Um, so yeah, no, this is way more fun. It's more competitive, and you don't. I mean, as our picks have shown, you really don't know what you're going to get week after week. Right. No, I want I want my picks to be better, so I want a playoff team. So if it's Oregon or USC or Washington or whoever. I want to see a playoff team. So I'd rather have more games like that and some playoffs because it yeah. sucks to not have, you know, we've been doing the show for what, five years or something. And we've seen one playoff team. Is that right? Or do we see two? I don't know. Like it's not been good. No, it hasn't been good Two. No. Oregon and Oregon and Washington. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is from Mark in Vancouver. Chris Peterson. Hi, Ryan and Dave. My Washington State Cougars are trending down, but I can take solace in the fact that Washington is doing the same. I love hearing all these Jack Huskies crying about how Peterson won't take UW to the next level, even though he's demonstrated he can do that by going to the CFP in 2016 and that he should be fired. If Peterson is so bad and UW does fire him, who are they going to replace him with that will take them to the playoff? By all means, please do fire him and UW will end up with an inferior coach. At least that way, the Cougs will have a hope of winning the Apple Cup again. I love the show. Keep up the good work and go Cougs. That was a very realistic and um, a little bit sad email from from Mark in yeah, Vancouver about nice, his Washington Mark. State Cougars. Um, are yeah, there really I, people I, that want to fire Chris? Are you kidding? There me? are people. There are people who are super Chris Peterson negative right now, and like I get it. Like I get being um, a little bit kind of. Um, you know, kind of down on uh, Peterson's offense and kind of the way it's uh, been struggling a little bit and their personnel usage and, like, having nits to pick, right? Like, I get that. I mean, I'm a nitpicker extreme, so I I completely understand. But the people who are, like, kind of taking it the next level, I think are – you got to pump the brakes, guys. I mean, picture again where you are in the college football universe. Clear, like – even this year, clear like top three in the league, right? And in the grand scheme of the last four years, the clear top dog in the league. Um, and if you just do that enough and you continue to recruit the way you're going to recruit, even if Peterson is a little bit more conservative than you'd like offensively, he's not a bad coach. It's not like he's, you know, he's not like my man Carl Durrell, despite the way his offense looks. Um, so 
at some point it'll they'll break through um, if they continue to recruit like they are right now, which is like a top 15 team. Um, they're going to make the playoff again, and they're going to have that, you know, slightly better than puncher's chance that any Pac-12 team is going to have against the SEC at this level, um, which is, you know, good enough. I'm trying to picture who you get with that'd be better. Like, I, you know. You're not getting anybody who's better. I mean, unless you take a chance on some random up-and-coming coordinator who just turns out to be the next best thing. But those things are so chancy. Chris Peterson's really good. You're yeah. going to be really good for a long time now. Don't don't screw that up. Don't no. yeah, just be content being really good and you're gonna break through and get to the college football playoff again if you keep recruiting this way. Yeah. All right. Uh let's move on. This is from Paul. He titles it Proving Me Wrong at Every Turn, Ryan and Dave. After hearing your desire to change all Brett and Brent names to Brett, so it was B R E T, uh B R E N T to B R E-T-T, so two T's, I was convinced that Brent would be by far the most popular of the three. So upon changing names, I believed we should change Brent and thus fewer upset Bretts and Bretts with one T and two T. However, an online search shows that Brett and Brent had a tight race. Brent with two, sorry, Brett with two T's had a tight race with 1,095 and 1,056 per million respectively. Well done, you two, with your vast knowledge of literally everything except making picks in the conference for which you two are, quote, experts. Uh, thanks. Good luck reading that previous paragraph on the air. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Uh, questions. So I'm writing this uh, before week seven, so hopefully I don't make myself look too foolish. Too late, man. You got it. He did include um, three graphs that show Brett with one T, Brett with two Ts, and Brent. Um, so... I guess they show like over time. So how many like peak was in the 1960s for, for BRET with uh, 219 per million for Brett. The peak was in 1980s, hundred uh, 1095. And then for Brent, that was Brett with two T's. Brent was peaked in the 1970s, uh, 1056 per million. Babies. He included Dave. You also peaked in the 1950s, 19,137 per million babies. And Ryan peaked in the 80s. So that was after I was born. Uh, 7,400 per million babies. Wow. So okay. lots of stuff. But his questions are uh, okay, what is the probability that a team other than Oregon wins the North? Mm. Oh, so it's. Pure guesswork at this point. Um, so I would say Oregon's odds of winning it are probably like uh, eyeballing it. Um, basically, it's the odds that they don't lose two, including one to Washington. Um, 60%. Really? Don't that they Well, don't... no, no. 70% because, yeah, I don't know. Somewhere between 70 and 80. Wait, probably. 70, that they win the North or don't win the North? That they win the North. Oh, okay, sorry. okay, yeah. He wants to know probability um, otherwise. So they've got the two. They're two up in the loss column right now. It's a big game this weekend. If they lose to Washington, Washington still has to get through Utah the week after. But after that, it's pretty smooth sailing with Oregon State, Colorado, and Washington State. Um, so if they lose to Washington, then Oregon still has to go at USC and at ASU. 
both of which could be weird games. Um, you know, USC is always capable of actually playing to its talent level. Um, and ASU, as we know, only plays one score games. So that's, that can always hinge on something weird happening. So this is a pivotal game. Um, if Oregon wins this weekend, I think it's done basically. Kinda, but if yeah. they, if they lose 50, 50, I think, um, at that point, cause Washington just has this as a much easier slate after you get past Utah. Yeah. So I would, this go, is a big game. Yeah. I'd go about 20%. Uh, that they don't win. They, I mean, they could have yeah, it wrapped up this same. weekend almost. So, uh, do you think Colorado regrets coming into the Pac-12? No, I don't think so. Do you? No, I think, and I don't know how feasible it was for them to stay in where they were. So, yeah, no, I don't think so at all. And I think the initial payouts were pretty good. Although the Pac-12 is a big step up from the Mountain West, as a Ute fan, I'm consistently disappointed in the conference. It feels like Utah, Washington, and maybe ASU or WSU are the only teams with high-ish program expectations who meet expectations more often than not. What are your thoughts? So are you saying the LA schools aren't meeting the expectations? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you're, you, so Paul, you've walked into um, a, a, a very weird period historically for the PAC 12 where the pole of dominance has really been in the North with Washington and Oregon um, and Stanford at the early stage for Utah. Um where Stanford was really good, but it's been very North dominated. Um, historically, I mean, USC should have had an elite team somewhere in that stretch. They didn't. They came close with that Darnold team that won the Rose Bowl, but that wasn't that wasn't the you know one of the best teams in the country that year. Um, maybe you could make an argument by the end of the season, um, but it hasn't been a good run for USC. UCLA has been pretty bad. Um, you know, three good years for Jim Mora, but it's been a bad <laughs> bad twenty years. Um, so it's just kind of a weird period, but I mean, there've been uh, stretches. I, I think this most recent, like three or four year run for the PAC 12 is, is among the worst that the PAC 12's probably ever had, um, going back to the PAC eight, PAC 10, and now the PAC 12, um, showing signs of, you know, things getting maybe right a little bit this year, um, where at least they're all kind of middling again. Um, there aren't too many horrific teams. There's basically UCLA and then, you know, Oregon state has one horrific side of the ball. Um, I don't know, but it's, yeah, yeah, I can see why you'd be disappointed in the conference. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, the last one, if you were commissioner, how would you redefine the conference to have a couple of clear cut championship contenders? Thanks from at, at Oklahoma. Um, is that what he's talking about? Like, no, I don't know. Um, not, I think he, he means like maybe re- moving things around. Yeah, like moving – like make I, – I think if you put the California schools in the south and the mountain schools in the north, um, you can play with the schedules a little bit more because you have those natural rivalries. And I think you could try to game – like right now, the Pac-12, everyone has losses and – you're just seeing other conferences where they don't have to play each other yet. So I think you could game the system a little bit better, but also by making an eight, an eight uh, game schedule. So I would, those are a couple of things I would do conference. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, the, the way to redefine the conference to have a couple of clear cut championship contenders is um, for uh, somebody to force USC to lose its remaining games this year so that they can fire uh, Clay Helton and then hire Urban Meyer. Because that'll give you a clear-cut championship contender within one year. Yeah, um, true. Now, 
uh, and, and Dave loves but, Dave loves potentially that, by the way they, but potentially <laughs> potentially in a moral championship contender certainly don't get me wrong um, but Urban Meyer can do many things um, you know be a you know majority piece of crap yes but also win a lot of football games so. Yeah, that, be then you, then as a, a the Ute fan that wrote before, then you wouldn't feel as bad about um, that. You'd be like, oh, okay, they would be they would be playing up to expectations if you had a guy like Urban Meyer there. Yep. All right, uh, Joe in Arizona sent us a text message from some other guy on Twitter uh, who goes by Hugh Janus. Um, it, appears to be tweeting about Hillary. It, well, this was and it made it on Fox Sports or not Fox Sports, Fox News. So they put. A tweet, you know, they put up a tweet <laughs> up on the screen. <laughs> so the tweet, what does it say? It's uh, she so desperately wants to run again, uh, but she wants America to beg her. That's not happening. And it's from at Jack Geo one one three six five six five three. But the the name is Hugh Janus, and I think the beautiful. point is that they didn't uh, notice that and put that on the screen. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, we've got another, I'll, I'll read this one. Okay. Since it's a, uh, a request from us. This is from us, um, from our man, Ryan, Hugh Janus. What do you look like? Please send a pic. Thanks us. Uh, yes, please send it. Well, no, we can't give his email out on air, but please don't send that to us. Yeah. Do not send us a picture of your Hugh Janus. Yeah. Don't do that. All right. We got Hithla day. Uh, this is Clay's formula. Uh, while I enjoyed you boys indulging typically translucent Washington fans, chorophilic fantasies. Isn't that something to do with like feces or something? Yes. Yes. Cor- Trucu- tr- truculent was the other word he used, not translucent. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Jesus. Truculent. Holy crap. Sorry. <laughs> chorophilic? That, uh, yeah, yeah, that is fe- Co- like cop- fecal. Coprophilic. Ma- coprophilic. Coprophilic. Okay. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Other, other deal. Basically, people who like to uh, feel around in their own poop. Nice. Um, so that's our coprophilic fantasies from Washington fans. Uh, interesting. You, uh, <laughs> you strangely <laughs> breathe not a word on the one story that might have cheered them up. Tracy Clay's resigning as Wazoo's defensive coordinator on October fourth. Why a, would that have cheered them up? Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, he's a former head coach. You know, I thought he would come in and do a good job, but. Yeah. Uh, that's weird, right? Coaches don't generally walk away from paying jobs, even under unhappy circumstances. You have to pry them out of a paycheck with an even larger buyout check. Uh, why have there been zero stories about this in the last 10 days, other than the expected and obvious wishful thinking, quote, maybe I'll make the defense, uh, maybe, sorry, maybe it'll make the defense even better. Speculation. Uh, from Allied Outlets. Is this related at all to the recent social media ban? Have you heard any inside information on why this happened? Uh, do you have any theories from Hitler Day? I don't. I don't have much speculation. I don't have any information on it. Um, it did come after the Leach quote about all the entitled players, which was seemed pointed at the defense more than anything. Um so I don't I don't know if it's related to that. I'm sure it it seems like it's much more performance related, but I don't know. I'd be interested to read it. Um, but I, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, thanks, Hitlerday. Coprophilic fantasies. Uh, you have a strange mind, man. I don't know what to tell you. He's got a great vocabulary, though. Yeah. Sometimes you think he's just trying too hard. Like you're doing it on purpose. Like just 
for the sake of doing it, not, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, you are a Hithode hater. I'm not a, not a hater. You seem like a hater. Well, I'm kind of a little bit hater. No, not so. Yeah. You're a Hithode hater. You're an Andrew hater. You hate those eye charts. Yeah. You're just a hater. So that, people think I, people think I'm more of the hater, but it turns out it's you. <laughs> All right, you this, ready for? This, uh, this seems like a very different, uh, like as far as the vocabulary goes in this email compared to the last one. I think they're going to be on different levels. It's my guess. Yeah, but, it's true. Go ahead. All right, this is from Hugh Janus, Haywood Jablomi, and uh, <laughs> Loose Stools. Uh, Bruins continue to suck even on a bye week. Hey, Ryan and Dave, it's your old pal Hugh Janus back for more this week. So you may remember that last week I asked my friends Hugh Asshole and Dixie Wrecked to help me come up with some fill-in-the-blank questions for you boys. Boys, yeah, that's a giveaway. This is our man Hitler Day. Yeah. Uh, well, this week I thought I'd try something different. I spoke to a couple of my other good friends, Haywood Jablomi and Lou Stools, and we were discussing the Pac-12 this week. Together we have a, true, a few true-false questions because we know you like them. So here we go. Okay. One, the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty called against UCLA in the USC Notre Dame game was a bit unfair, even by the lousy Pac-12 ref standards. That was awesome. So if you didn't know, when they went to break at halftime, there was a scuffle on the field. And when they they announced in the stadium, not on television, the Pac-12 ref crew announced personal fouls on both teams. Uh, I believe it was Notre Dame. And then he announced it on UCLA. And obviously UCLA was not playing in the game. So USC got kind of tangled up with one rival and then were called by the name of another rival. So I thought that was very strange. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it was unfair. It was beautiful. True. Or false. Whatever. Whatever. The, yeah. uh, <laughs> two, Arizona State is for real and may well win the South. True. True. Three, Chip Kelly has completely lost his ability to coach successfully college or NFL. True. True. Very true. Four, SUC, so dollar sign UC, will finally make a good hire for the first time since PDP left and will dominate the conference again soon. True. (laughs) Just say it. True. It's like a known secret at this point. Like, I, I, somebody was telling me the Fox like broadcasters were kind of joking about it at one point on the show. It's like with Urban. I or think when, not even with him. When, but when you screw up so badly and it's just so obvious for the, that many years, and everyone's like, "Why are they so dumb?" Like they, everyone knows they they could be great if they just weren't idiots. And so I think just the fact that. She fired uh, Lynn Swan that quickly kind of tells you like, all right, they're going to take this seriously and they're not going to just act like morons anymore. So they'll at least give it a shot. It's not guaranteed to win, but I mean, if they if get you some... were la- If you were throwing a percentage on it, what are the percentage odds that Urban Meyer is the next head coach for USC? <sighs> you know, in some days I feel like it's, you know, you, you talk to people that are like, oh, that's going to happen. And you talk to other people that are like, hey man, there's the medical stuff. He's, he's not going to do it. Um so I don't know. Maybe get to like forty percent. Okay. Okay. But five. The Pac-12 is fourth best in football out of the Power Five conferences, and only slightly better than the ACC. I'd go false with a quibble. I think it's more than slightly better than the ACC. Mm, I think Clemson just cut, carries the ACC, so I'll put. Pac-12 but the there. rest of the ACC <laughs> is so bad. Have you seen? Um, Miami play, yeah, they're bad. Okay, everyone else so is bad. bad. Yeah, so I mean, I'll it's go nice. false with it. It's just false, but a minor quibble. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you. It's just you know, the Pac-12 middle is just so much better. But 
would you rather have a Clemson? You know, and I think in, in this and we already answered that definitively. Yeah, no, you said <laughs> no, I said yes. I know. Yeah. Um, the overall quality of coaching, recruiting, and teams in the Pac-12 won't improve in relation to the rest of the Power Five until Larry Scott is gone and there's a new TV deal in place. True. Um. Yeah. I mean, true, but it might be circumstantial. Um, and I don't know, like, I don't know. The over quality of the overall quality of the coaching. The coaching's fine. Yeah. But recruiting and, rec- and the teams and recruiting stuff. Recruiting is more but recruiting is more a reflection of the fact that I mean, USC is recruiting at its worst level almost ever, and UCLA is definitely recruiting at its worst level ever. Um if the two LA schools were cleaning up LA talent the way they should I don't know if recruiting would be that bad in the league. I mean, Washington and Oregon are killing it. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, the Pac-12 will expand to 14 or 16 teams within five years. False. False. Yeah. Uh, the CFP will expand to eight teams within five years. <sighs> five years. I'll go true. Yeah, I would say true. I feel better with like eight years, but I'll, I'll say true for five, too. Five is enough for something screwy to happen to a major conference. Yeah. Um, not the Pac-12. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other uh, four. Eight, yeah. The Pac-12 doesn't want to go to an eight-game conference schedule because adding a crappy out-of-conference game instead of a conference game is less profitable. I'd say Definitely false. part of it. I, it's, I think it's, it's more that they they want more, like the they, people want exposure in California a lot, in Los Angeles specifically. Sure, that's definitely, but I think uh, for the member schools, I think it's a big part of it. And the issues with scheduling that that other non-conference game. Who are you going to get? Yeah. Uh, nine, UCLA will get it turned around with its next new football coach and win the conference in the next five years. False. False. Well, it's, you've added – you have two statements there. I think they will get it turned around with their next new football coach, but they haven't won the conference since 98. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Ten, the Trojan guy who prances around in front of the band in a skirt and swirling a sword. <laughs> a sword. I just said sword. You did say sword. Nice. I said sword. I pronounced the W in in sword. I did that. that was That's a thing I did. Hitler's email. That's why. Yeah. Anyway, uh, calling him a bit effeminate. It's a it's a woman. It is, isn't it? A woman yeah, it's now. It's a woman now. They have a, a female doing it. Yeah. Is this a joke? Then is he being funny? I don't know. Um, she was wearing like uh, kind of a a robish, I mean a cape kind of thing because it was cold uh, in their name. But yeah, so they they uh, they name one. You know, I guess they they get elected and uh, someone ran like a female ran for the drum major position like 10 years ago, but she was like this shorter girl and she was like big into the band and stuff, but she didn't win. But this India Anderson's her name and she won this year and she was like, uh, she won on a landslide, but she's like 5'11". She's more statuesque. Like she kind of looks like she can hold the sword and seems like she's doing a pretty good job. But yeah, so it's the first time uh, they've had a, a woman as the drum major. So cool. he probably, cool. Brian probably, or well, um, Hugh, Hugh probably... Knew that maybe it was a joke. I'm not sure. Hopefully he knew that because otherwise yeah. it's just kind of a lame joke. Yeah. If you want to say he's stupid looking, that's great. Um, <laughs> but we don't need to. We don't need to. He's got a. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, uh, thanks again for all you do for the show and keep up the great work. Your pals Hugh Janus, Haywood Jablomi, and Lou Stools. P.S. Stanford 41, UCLA 10. Yeah. Uh, this is from Frank and so- I think this is our last one, right? Uh, there might be one more that just came in. Uh, oh no! no it's yeah, not, it's no, that's it. 
Okay. Uh, Frank in Sacramento. Ryan. I don't, it says for me. It says for Ryan. I don't see uh, USC fixing its football program anytime soon. They're going to hire a very qualified woman athletic director. That person is not going to hire Urban Meyer for obvious reasons. She'll get a good coach, but not somebody that's uh, going to turn the program around in a few years. Frank in Sacramento. Um. So. I think so. Again, with the 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 woman stuff. I mean, look, I find Urban Meyer repugnant. I don't think it takes a woman to find Urban Meyer repugnant. The question is going to be whether you can hold your nose and get past that if you really want to win football games. And I don't think that's dependent on being a woman or a man. I mean, yeah. if she's a sensible person who prioritizes things other than winning football games, then she's probably going to make a case for literally anybody else. But there are powers that be in the USC, you know sphere that are going to prioritize USC football wins over virtually anything else. Some of them have a lot of money. So at the end of the day, it might end up being Urban Meyer, whether she wants it to be or not. But I don't think her being a woman is going to be a a determining factor here. It's, you know, can you get past the fact that by all accounts, by literally everything we've seen from Florida through Ohio State, he's close to a morally bankrupt person and if you can get past that then fine it's great he'll win a lot of football games yeah uh usc does have a female president um and there oh right there was yeah there were some rumors that you know she wouldn't want that but there you know we had also reported that they had had dinner um i mean there's some interesting things at play he hadn't had any sort of ncaa violations which usc has been kind of solely focused on you know following the sanctions like they're they're pretty over compliant so whatever ncaa violations are out there that's what they seem to worry about the most uh he hasn't had those but like you know dave said there's been some uh moral questions i guess you could say with urban meyer uh there's you know some of the candidates that get mentioned uh there are a couple of female you know candidates like the washington ad and i think unlv's ad um, who was, a? I think she went to UCLA or something, or she was at UCLA. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, somewhere affiliated. Yeah. But there's, there's, I don't think it's, they've uh, narrowed it down to make sure they're going to bring in a female athletic director. I think there's, I think there's female athletic director candidates, but I don't think it's, uh, anything's been decided, Frank, but they're, I, I feel like they're going to try to bring someone in who's going to be very different than the people they brought in before. Someone that's like proven at their job. They've done a good job and someone that's not you know, doesn't know the USC fight song. They're someone who's going to come from the outside. So I think they have to do that as the athletic director hire and also the head coaching hire. And if you do that, they'll come in and I think they'll do a good job. So just stop the nepotism, stop the, you know, the simp- the easier hire, the hires that aren't going to come in and change anything. They'll just keep the things, keep the little fiefdoms right where they are. That's what a lot of the powers that be at USC wanted to happen. And I think Carol Fult, the new the president's coming in and saying, that's going to stop. We're going to bring in somebody from the outside. The, the the thing for me, Frank, will be whoever the athletic director is, unless it's Mark Jackson, who was there before, uh, which I, that's why I don't think you should hire Mark Jackson, the uh, Villanova AD, because he was one, the guy that basically brought in Sark and wanted Sark over Ed Orgeron. Uh, so I don't think you can hire him just based on that alone, but bring in someone from the outside who can come in and walk in the athletic department that's been run the same way for 30 years and, and just run very poorly despite you know all the championships and stuff they win and the person just walks in and goes wow this is wrong that's wrong you're fired stop doing that never do that again 
I don't ever want to see you again and just completely turn it upside down. And I think you'll, you'll make things a lot better um, in the athletic department. I mean, it's, they got these huge budgets. It's like $120 million budget and it's just run so poorly. And because of all the history and stuff, it's like, you still do fine, you know, but if you're, if you just run it well, if you have good leadership, you can be better than fine. Just, you know, not be, you know, based solely on what the, the, the building blocks you have there. So that's what I think USC desperately needs, Frank. Get someone come in there, clean house, and just fix everything. I'm I'm just I, I'm I'm reeling a little bit right here because you pronounced it fiefdom. And I don't know I, I feel like my world's been rocked because I've always gone fiefdom, but I don't know if that's right. Hmm. I'm blown away, honestly. Can I, we pull I, it up I, on uh I, I feel like my entire world has been just upended. All right. Let me see. I'm going to play it on. Uh... Oh, it's fiefdom. Did you hear that? I don't know. I played it on uh, my computer. I didn't get it, but. Oh, okay. Great. Maybe it didn't come okay. through. Well, no, thing. then ev- everything is right again in the world. Okay. Okay. So you're fiefdom. I think I've, I think I've heard it fiefdom before, though. I've definitely heard it fiefdom a lot. Um, let Hithliday write it and tell us, you know, what's. Hithliday, please go through the etymology um of fiefdom for us i know it starts with a fief yeah and i think that's a plot of land um but if you could if you could just go through the etymology the different pronunciations over time what you know it did it start out as old english was it french you know go through the whole thing we want to i don't know i'd take i'd take a thousand words on that <laughs> if you've got a thousand words to share with us about why it's fiefdom, uh, I would be I'd be happy to read it on air. Yeah, you have until next Monday to to deliver that for us. Uh, yeah, double spaced, please. Thank you. Yeah, you can do it as either any of your three personas. It can be <laughs> Hithliday, it can be Rusty Fence, or it can be. Oh, actually, we've got another one too. We do. So we've got um, what's it? What's his name? Um, Hugh Janus. Silence. Silence. Do good. Oh, it was another one. Yeah, another Hithliday. Yeah. Do we have any listeners or is it only Hitler Day? I think it's only Hitler Day. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's even disguised his voice on the few voicemails we've ever gotten. I feel like he, just Hitler Day. he came after you on Twitter a little bit, I think. Did he not? Um, He just has an abrasive way of writing. I think he means it in good fun. Okay. I wasn't no. sure. Hitler Day's great. Nice. I love Hitler Day. I love all of our listeners. I'm a lover. You're the hater. <laughs> I'm the hater, yes. We need more of the people writing in this thing. Thanks for all the work, Ryan. And hey, Dave, you know, like, so I love those guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I guess we can wrap it up. I guess we can. Maybe our picks will be better, people. I don't know what to tell you. We, we're not good right now. If you've been listening to this show for the last four or five years for the picks, uh, you're probably doing it wrong. No, but th- we were good. We weren't. Okay. This is a this is a false narrative. Like I I don't think I've ever been good. You were fifty six forty and three last year. I was fifty. That was that was with all of the like non conference no spread games no, built into we it. We didn't count those early. I think the previous years we were counting those, and some of them we tried to make up spreads for, and that wasn't so good either. No, but, that was but great. we still were winning. Like we wouldn't have stretches where we were under five hundred. I don't think I ever was two weeks in a row. Like th- to be three weeks in a row under five hundred, like that's just that just hasn't happened when we've been picking, you know. Yep. But whatever. All right. Well, hey, let's go wrap it up. He is uh, David Woods, and I am uh, Ryan Abraham, and we do this little thing called the Podcast of Champions. You've been listening all this time. 
We appreciate it greatly. Thank you so much for all the emails, the texts, maybe leave some voicemails, positive reviews, all that stuff. You know, we love it. We love you guys listening. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.